You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Okay. It's the 30th of November 2016. I'm Simon Copland. And I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and today we're talking about corporate sponsorship of queer organisations and events. This week has seen anger from queer communities in Australia after many became aware that Melbourne's annual queer festival Midsummer is sponsored by News Corp. Rupert Murdoch's global media empire News Corp owns the newspaper The Australian, which this year has been behind some of the most ferocious attacks against the Safe Schools program, an anti-bullying program supporting queer students in schools. Although News Corp has been a Midsummer sponsor for two years, the sponsorship was news to many in the community, and a campaign to get them to drop the sponsorship has begun. So far, this has included an online petition and calls for boycott of the festival and associated Pride March. These responses to the sponsorship have got Simon and I thinking about what corporate sponsorship means to queer communities generally, and whether we should or shouldn't be taking money and support from companies we find ethically questionable. There are lots of questions that lead on from this. How do we decide what is a good and not good business? Um, And is this the inevitable outcome of a professionalisation of these sorts of events? Uh, So Ben, let's start. Uh, Should Midsummer drop the sponsorship from News Corp? Uh, (laughs) The very short answer is I don't really know. I I have um, quite mixed feelings about the whole thing. I mean, I... Um, find them pretty gross as an organisation and uh, the certainly what they've been doing to the Safe Schools program over the course of the year, which is just a series of really kind of uh, nasty, nasty opinion pieces and news stories attacking not just the program, but like individuals as well. I think that's been quite um, horrific and just kind of bullying and gross. Uh, so certainly... I mean, yeah, it's kind of, I feel like it's it's hard to just, like, talk about this without opening up all of the questions at once. Um, Go for it. <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, I, uh, I suppose to think about why... Um, maybe it's, it's easiest to kind of start with why I think potentially it, they shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Uh I think so. The, so the nature of the sponsorship agreement is is part of it. So obviously, News Corp's a, a media organisation, and it's my understanding, at least, is that it's it's not um, monetary sponsorship. It's largely kind of in kind support through um, like running ads and listing events and that sort of thing. Um, so I guess yeah. I mean, I suppose that that sort of makes it seem like a bit of a sort of softer relationship to me yep. um, in terms of what. Uh, potential... Uh, I guess the, the question that I'm kind of skirting around, the reason I sound so hesitant about this is because I feel like implicit to to a lot of this is, like, the question... It's like the question about money in politics, you know? Like, the, we say it's bad because um, it, it provides uh, political donors leverage to uh, kind of cha- have influence on policy processes in government. And so I guess the kind of same sort of question applies here is, like, what... Um, power does does um, this actually give to News Corp in ha- in what Midsummer looks like and how it's run and and that sort of thing? So I think that's a big part of uh, what I think a lot of this discussion will be. Um, I think another kind of big question is what is the benefit to to News Corp of doing this, mm-hmm. which is probably something that we will will talk about as well. 
But uh, I, I suppose I feel like the nature of this sort of in-kind sponsorship, I, I would say, probably means the stakes are a bit lower. So I think that's that's kind of part of it. Um, I also, I mean, you know, it's not kind of primarily happening through the Australian. Uh, I suppose the way that these organisations are run um, means that the publications exist fairly independently. I mean, we haven't seen... So the Herald Sun is, is the kind of main News Corp um, publication down in Melbourne and it's what most of this kind of sponsorship arrangement will be enacted through. They haven't really been involved anywhere near... I mean, they do, they run Andrew Bolt's column and he's been critical <laughs> yeah. of safe, safe schools. But other than Andrew Bolt, they don't um, really have the same level of... They certainly haven't been attacking the program through their sort of editorial pages in the same way. Yep, um, yep. So uh, I guess it, there, there are sort of all sorts of distinctions around that. And, and I suppose like... Like broadly, I sort of would ask the question as well. I mean, why not just kind of take this stuff? You know, like it's if um, the event and the community is kind of getting something out of um, taking this thing from someone that we don't like. I mean, there's an element, and you know, I'm, I'm sort of being partly sort of uh, facetious here, but you know, there's an element of like, um, you know, fuck them. Like let's just take <laughs> let's just take their money. Yeah, I think I think you've got you've raised some good points. I think for me the question has always um, uh, the question has focused around what does News Corp get out of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you talked about the the power that News Corp may have over the shape of the event. I suspect it's I suspect it's probably very little um, in that sense. Uh, except probably to access to events and all that kind of stuff, there'd be there'd be parts of a sponsorship deal that would um, provide that. I think what it does give them though is um, a potential, I guess, coverage uh, cover. Sorry, not coverage cover for mm. for them uh, and sort of the, uh, an act of uh, almost. Um, uh, being able to sort of be legitimate within the community, so it's it's you know their 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 logo would appear on all the sponsorship pages, and I'm sure there was probably elements of it that would have that they would have logos in in particular parts of the of of the festival, um, and you know that that is uh, something that companies do in these sorts of events uh, is to provide um, support so they can look like a supporter of the community. Now I think for News Corp it probably made a lot more sense um, a couple of years ago before the Safe School stuff really blew up. Yes, yes. Um, and what what seems to me... Uh, so I, I had, when I had ori- originally read this story, um, uh, sort of read it in the framing of this being a new thing, but understanding it as a thing that's happened for a couple of years, it makes much more sense of something that happened before all of this blew up and now people are sort of becoming aware of it and going, well, you know, the last year things have changed. News Corp mm. has been, you know, the Australian has been particularly ferocious in their approach in the last yeah. year. And it's important um, to say that, that that's very much happened since the last Midsummer Festival. So Midsummer yeah. Festival is uh, in... a about a month and a half it starts mm. um, and all the kind of safe schools attacks have happened since like in between these two festivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the timing the, does kind of make sense. Yeah, yeah. So the timing makes much more sense to me and I and I think um, and I think watching, no, noting that watching some of the, the response to Midsummer has been really fascinating as if it's, you know, 
as if they're signing up to this new thing and and betraying the queer community and that uh, sort of midsummer i can see a, a little bit going oh a bit caught you know we're just continuing on a partnership we've had for a long time mm. or for a couple of years so i think but i think if you go back to it there is the question of um you know why did why did News Corp um, sign up to that in the first place? It's because it provides them with a a good look at this point in particular point in time. And the question for Midsummer and for the community is now: given what's happened in the last year, do we want to continue to allow, allow them to have that good look? Do we want to allow them to continue to to um, have that image? I suspect um, the reality is that it's not going to work for them this year um, in that whilst uh, the sponsorship of Midsummer in the past may have been good for News Corp, I don't think given the, given the backlash, it's going to, it's, it's going to be a net positive for News Corp. So I'm a little bit less concerned about it because people are well, already sure. aware of what the Australian sure. is doing. I mean, I feel like this, these kind of questions are to some degree moot because like these sorts of, um, when you talk about the kind of benefit to corporate sponsors of these sorts of events, the benefit is only there if we're not really talking about it or mm, if, exactly. if we're only sort of talking about it in a positive way. It's not like um, they get some sort of abstract benefit from having their uh, their logo on a bunch of stuff at Midsummer if everyone's talking about how shit they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that and I think that that's, that's, that's reality here and I think that that's why I'm guess less concerned about it um totally i think i mean there's also a possibility that they'll pull the sponsorship i mean i and i think that's more realistically what these sorts of campaigns have the potential to achieve whether we think that's a good outcome or not um is not so much pressuring midsummer to drop them but uh you know making it as as we've said i guess not worth it for um news corp to maintain this relationship yeah and and i'm intrigued i guess about what News Corp is thinking in this sort of situation and mm. thinking about coming back up to, I'm not sure if they had to renegotiate the partnership or just continue it on, um, coming back up to this point where it's, you know, the midsummer's coming up and whether there was any other questions about whether this is the kind of thing that was likely to occur. Because from my perspective, it seems pretty inevitable that people would get upset about this given what's happened in the last year. Sure, um, sure. And it seems like a funny sort of... And I suspect what's what's happening here is the is what you're talking about before is the the differences between the different parts of the organisation and the different newspapers and the different uh, media parts, which uh, you know you would probably have people in the um, the corporate sponsorship team wherever in News Corp who would be very different to the editorial team in the Australian and would probably oh, have very different politics. And that and, I mean, you know, and, not, when, when... and not just that, but like you know, I'm I my background's in journalism. I have a, I have a lot of friends who who work and have worked for News Corp. I have friends. Who work for the Australian, you know, who, mm, who are mm. journalists for the Australian, you know, it's, it's, and there's, there's been a kind of interesting, um, almost like backlash to the backlash from a, a lot of those journalists, a, a lot of yeah, them yeah. queer who are saying things like, uh, you know, that they're, that they're proud that the organization is sponsoring, uh, an event like this because they see it as like a, a genuine sort of engage, engagement and something that the, the community does genuinely get something out of. Yeah, that's interesting, um, and I think it's an important thing to note. Um, but from my perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean that we should continue it on either. Um, no, you know, no, sure. Similar stuff with, you know, there are queers, you know, and I've, I've sort of had this question down below, but 
there are queers in the police, but I don't think that that means we should allow police to sponsor events while they continue to um, engage in violence against queer communities. Mm. I don't think this, I think it's a similar sort of analogy, but I don't think it's quite the same. But, um, you know, I think that for an organisation like Midsummer, we need to look at the overall benefit of receiving that money uh, or receiving that in-kind sponsorship or, or whatever whatever it is that they're receiving uh, and whether it gives too much coverage to News Corp. I don't think it is giving coverage to News Corp at this point of time. And I think that in in that sense, like the, the deal is not really benefiting anybody. And in many ways, the best option is just going to have to be to drop it or to, to end it because of that reality. But, you know, at the same time, I think there is a question about whether companies and i think this is the bigger question it's not just one related to news corp but related to um you know companies uh, sorry related to companies as a whole of whether you know should should we you know how how does an organization like midsummer decide who it should be taking its money from or not you know what is the the value of that you know as a non you know sort of how how do we value the different money that we're taking um you know, and and what what do we how do we make those decisions as as queer organisations, particularly in in a space where uh, these events are becoming more professionalised and require more money, um, mm-hmm. is, and, is and just kind of corporatised generally in terms of like how they're how they're run, you know, like as in the kind of internal structures as well as what mm. the events actually kind of look like on the outside. You know, it's not this isn't just a question about the kind of requirement for funds, although you know that's part of it too. It's uh, that, you know, maybe I'm kind of jump, jumping ahead too far, but, you know, that know. that not-for-profits are increasingly functioning for all intents and purposes like corporations. I mean, even in terms of like um, like profit models, basically, you know, that we, we talk about kind of growth and sustainability around not-for-profits, which is insane in, in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, that given that space... and. Uh, and this is the sort of thought has been formulating in my mind, this is the kind of inevitable outcome of that situation. We, we spoke ages ago when we spoke about the Telstra um, thing, and just to remind people about that, that was when Telstra, the telecommunications company, um, sort of momentarily dropped its support for marriage equality after a sort of campaign from the Catholic Church. We spoke about how big businesses um, sort of don't have a an inherent queer friendly approach necessarily it's it's based on on the market at the time and what is beneficial for them and what is beneficial to their um to the to their to their model to their business model um, sure they and, have an they have an imperative for profit and that yeah, kind of that's what everything is is about yeah and so i think that when we see the corporatization of non non not for profits what you're going to see is an inevitable outcome of Doing deals with companies who don't, who at a particular point of time, it's really good for them, um, but then later down the track that might change, mm. or uh, you know, and organisations like Midsummer being stuck in this in this thing where some, where once it was a good idea because you know maybe News Court look looks good, but then it's not, and it would have been the same I think if it had been Telstra for example, um, where once it looked good and it, you know to have them you know on the on the thing and then maybe it didn't all of a sudden because their imperative changed. Um, there is no inherent pro-queerness just because an organisation signs up for a sponsorship um, mm. and it can become very, very difficult. Um, but I think there's also, there's that element, but there's also the element of questioning whether the sort of business approach to non-profits um, means that they also, you know, when you become thing, focused on things like growth and sustainability, does it mean that some of the, the values of the organisation, to put it 
uh, in the best way I can find, gets lost out towards having values of how do we grow and how do we maintain our but but our budget bottom line, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm. so that you end up being forced to take money from people that you might not like. Um, sure, in I order mean, to that, survive. It's funny. I think I think I would kind of reframe that slightly. I, mm. I because I think the answer to that question is absolutely yes. You know, like clearly we have seen like you know, many, many examples of, of the ways that organizations have, um, certainly, certainly their values have changed from, from what they perhaps initially mm. were on the basis of the involvement of, of, um, of, no, no, not even that. I suppose, you know, because of those imperatives of, of kind of sustainability, the interesting question for me, and I feel like it, it relates to sort of both of those areas, um, is how we justify it. Uh, like which companies, for example, do we decide are good or not, mm, mm. Uh, and 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 what kind of criteria do we use, and and you know, like which values do we decide are worth keeping at all costs, and which don't we? Because I think the reality is that this stuff is like it's it's inevitable. You know, this stuff is just like kind of going to keep happening and going to keep getting worse. I, I'm fascinated by the way that we as a community sort of reconcile ourselves to that. Um, in both of those instances. I mean, in a lot of ways, News Corp is kind of a bad example because if you look at a, a company like... Um, uh, uh, sorry, a publication like The Australian, to compare it to the, the episode we did earlier about Telstra, like, The Australian is entirely unprofitable. Um, mm. it, it It's not... It is an explicitly kind of ideological uh, weapon of Rupert Murdoch. I mean, and that's basically all it is. Um, it's not, it, do, it, it kind of weirdly not a sustainable falls, business model. <laughs> it, it weirdly sort of falls outside of the kind of, you know, profit morality in inverted commas that mm, we've talked mm. about that, that companies make decisions on. And <laughs> just kind of imagining a sort of like in a weird sort of parallel universe, that's actually kind of admirable, you know, in that like to imagine a, a, a company like the Australian uh, or uh, um, uh, an organization like the Australian as like uh, so, a, a kind of ideal that we might like to kind of replicate in the queer community as as something that that is uh, um, financially sort of safe and therefore can just do like can fulfill its its morals in whatever way it wants to, which is basically what the Australian does. It's a very kind of maybe twisted way to think about it, but... No, it's an interesting way to think about it. Um, and, and, and I think you're right that it makes the Australian in this instance a bad example because they have the capacity to do what they want to do and still, and to continue on and to not lose that, that profit motive that I think that um, other companies have, have the problem with. But I think going back to that question of like, how do we make decisions about what is a good and what is a bad company to take money from? Like, do you have any thoughts on what, on, on how do we approach that? How does how does an organisation like Midsummer or you know or Mardi Gras or or you know any mm. Pride event really take take that um, you know approach that? I mean the prob- the problem with a lot of these sorts of questions is that as soon as you start to pick it, I mean that's why they're so good, you know. As soon as you start to pick at a question like that, you quickly sort of unravel um, uh, really kind of large systemic problems that we that we mm. have. Mm. Um, you know, if you if you again look at kind of money in politics, uh, you know the the Labor Party decided some years ago not to take money from uh, tobacco companies, for example, um, 
and and that everyone can kind of look at that and go, okay, so tobacco companies are bad, so we don't take money from them. But like, how about like big banks? You know, everyone takes money from the big banks, and Midsummer yep. takes money from the big banks as well. Um, from I think NAB are a major sponsor of of Midsummer, National Australia Bank. Um, you know, banks do some pretty awful stuff. You know, yep, they yep. are kind of the sort of primary architects of like the kind of every a lot of what's shitty about capitalism. They they force people into debt. They invest in shitty stuff, you know, like banks yeah, yeah, are, yeah. I think we can probably broadly agree banks are pretty bad. Um, <laughs> so what, like, so why not, why not banks? And, you know, if we kind of follow that thread, you know, I don't know why, why not, you know, any of the, the companies that sponsor these events? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is the important thread to follow. And I think this is the difficulty of this. Um, and you, and you see like different campaigns around these issues all the time. So, you know, I've been involved in, um, in climate organizing, which is, which is focused on divestment from fossil fuel companies and mm, sort sure. of treating, um, fossil fuel companies as the same as tobacco companies effectively is sort of been a lot of the messaging around that. And you do hear that sort of, well, what, you know, what's going to be next? What company is next? You know, and, you know, does this mean banks and does this mean, you know, what, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If, if, you know, if we're talking about, you know, coal companies, do we have to do gas companies as well and do energy providers, et cetera. Um, you know, in, in quick news, does this mean, you know, for example, I think there'd be a lot of stuff around alcohol companies. Does sure. this mean ending sponsorship with them? And I think that there are genuine questions to be asked about that. Um, and, you know, alcohol, alcohol companies, for example, use queer communities quite a lot as a way to... Oh, totally. They're huge sponsors. Yeah. And, and not only at a kind of large scale, but at a really kind of small... You see, like, grassroots community events all the time sponsored by alcohol. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's they do a very good job of making their products look very gay, you know. And mm, I think, of, yep. um, oh, I've just gone blank with the vodka company's name. Absolute, uh, absolute, yeah, yeah, because you know they do um, RuPaul. All they do. The time. <laughs> um, that's, I knew you would know, um, but you know, with their rainbow, with their rainbow bottles and all of that sort of stuff, and it makes me feel a bit icky <laughs> um, mm. seeing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, not that I've got a problem with alcohol, but just that you know these companies are not. Not generally, often not nice companies, um, and and but you know they they get coverage, they get cover by I keep saying coverage, they get cover by sponsoring our events. Well, um, I want to kind of dig into what you mean when you say cover. Could you expand yeah, on that a bit? Well, so for example, the Absolute one is a really good example. Um, well, I mean, I don't know much about Absolute, but the kind of cover they get is you know, well actually let's go back we can you know in um in the divestment campaigns that I've been involved in uh, in climate organizing a lot of the stuff we talk about is um companies using sponsorship um as a way of having social license so uh companies you know you see this a lot in the UK recently where there's been moves to get um, things like um, museums and art, um, art galleries, etc., to remove their um, sponsorship to to end their sponsorship with fossil fuel companies like Shell and BP, which sure. uh, you see quite a lot in those in in the UK in particular. Um, and what the um, what what the argument is is that there's there's a social cover that is given by being able to sponsor a good organisation. So it's looking at things like um, events that are you know events, um, sports teams, art galleries, museums, things that people have a lot of faith in in 
communities, things that people enjoy going to. And companies use this as a way of saying, look, we're a good company because we support this organization, or we support this event, or we support this museum, etc. And it just gives a social cover that makes it harder to question the practices of what that company does, you know, in other parts of the world. Um, sure, and so I think sure. that that's, what's, that's, that's how I think companies operate within uh, the queer space. Um, I don't think companies are sponsoring, you know, queer organisations and queer events, you know, from the goodness of their heart. And I think you would probably agree with that. I think that what it is, is that they're fine. You know, there is a benefit for them. They don't just do it for niceness. They do it because there's a benefit for them. Mm. And the benefit for them is looking good into looking really good in a, you know, in a, in a growing market, you know, acknowledging queers as a particularly in places like Australia, is increasingly having more wealth and more capacity to spend uh, money. It's about looking good in this growing totally. market. Totally. And, and social and political capital as well. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would, uh, you know, I'm interested in your comment about not doing it out of the goodness of their own hearts, because, I mean, I think uh, broadly that that's true. But when I think about, for example, the people I've seen who work for News Corp who are kind of saying mm, that they're, mm. they're proud of the sponsorship of, of Midsummer, I feel like that's a really kind of good illustration of how it's not entirely true to say that they're not doing it out of the goodness of their own hearts. I think systemically that that's true. But I think the reason this stuff is so pernicious and um, successful ultimately is because it... it it uses, um, I mean, and this is true of kind of a lot of sort of systemic um, problems around uh, capitalism, basically, is that it, it kind of uses the uh, illusion of agency of individuals as a kind of cover for systemic ills, you know. So you have, like, essentially the whole existence of, like, corporate social responsibility as a, as mm-hmm. a thing and as, like, a team within a lot of organisations. Like, a lot of people go into that... Uh, and engage with that as something that is genuinely positive, that they feel good about and that they, you know, there would be people within these organisations, queer people within these organisations, for example, who are, like, fighting for their companies to sponsor um, these events and and, com- and when these companies may not always want to. And so it can kind of look like this moral thing at that level, Um the problem is that at a kind of systemic level, it, it it's it doesn't operate that way. The moral imperative is is different. But I think that that gap, the fact that those systemic forces can operate while we as individuals feel like we're doing the right thing, is uh, is important. Yeah. No. I think I think you're right. Does that make and sense? I, it does. It does. I'm just I'm just thinking through it. Did I have puzzled look on my face? Um... <laughs> it was more. I just I felt like I was. Um, just saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think, I think that there's like, like I, I don't know. The way I'm just thinking about it is that you have the reality of people living in a system of capitalism and trying to do the best they can in mm. that system to do good. And in cases like this, you have individuals and and you might have um, individuals high up in these sorts of organisations who say, you know, the best thing we can do is to sponsor an event like this and don't necessarily just think of it as the doing it from the goodness of their own, you know, sorry, don't think of it just as a um, as a thing that's good for the company. They think of it as a, as a way to do good in society as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I totally appreciate that and totally understand it. And, and I don't... Uh, I don't, 
I, I, I don't hold people, I don't hold that against people or say that that's mm, a bad sure. thing that people are doing those that sort of stuff. I think that that's actually good, and I think trying to survive and do the best you can in the system we've got is actually a really good thing to do. Um, what I would argue is that I think from a company level, and so that's different to the to the individual level, and you would have individuals in places like News Corp who would be pushing for for companies to do to sponsor these sorts of events and to to support these sorts of events. But I think from a company level it's very unlikely that you're ever going to get that sort of agreement unless there's a benefit to the company as a whole. Yes, yes, now that exactly. benefit may be that benefit may be at times we have to keep our staff happy and so this is what we'll do as a way to, to look good. But I think a lot of the time it is a this is also here are all these other benefits of how this looks good for the company in the long run, how it can benefit the company. Um and I think organisations need to be aware of that, aware of what we're giving companies when we when we take the sponsorship on. You know, what are, what are, what is the, what are their motives to, to achieve this? Um, and are their motives pure? Probably unlikely. Um, are their motives more? You know, do they have a bunch of stuff that benefits themselves from doing this? Potentially, very likely. And is that a benefit we want to give them? Hmm. Um, do we want to give them that benefit? I think at the moment, potentially for News Corp, I don't think we do. But I think that they've lost that benefit already, so I'm not so concerned about it. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's yeah, it's tricky because I feel like that as a sort of you know, quote unquote, rational way to to think hmm. about this stuff is is um is good, but it's also largely uh, un- unrealistic in the sense yeah, that, absolutely. you know, we're ta- talking um, talking before about the the corporatization of not-for-profits and, and corporatization of, of the queer community generally, um, the answer to that question is almost always going to be take the money, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, except in, in instances where... Like, well, I don't know, we couldn't even really identify any instances, you know, other than, like, tobacco companies or, like, oil companies who, who by and large, are not sponsoring these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, like, it's just really, I just, yeah, I'd find it hard to think of an example of where an organisation kind of comes down on the side of, like, you know, we have someone's offering to give us money, we think that our event or our program is a really good thing for the community. And because we're not just talking about arts festivals here, we're talking about, like, um often kind of organizations that provide like services to the yeah, to the community as well. Um, yeah. and how do you how do you kind of weigh that up? Like say uh, I mean this is a, a hypothetical example, but say you um, get like a, a offer of kind of corporate sponsorship from a bank to to run say like a kind of drug and alcohol service or something like that. I mean like how do you like how do you how the fuck do you weigh that up, you know, when you, you kind of go like yes, we can acknowledge that there are these kind of huge systemic problems that that we're invested in in um, tackling and and we're invested in kind of dismantling this stuff. But at the same time, you know, we also have to get through the day and get through the week and get through the year. And a lot of people the, don't have the luxury of engaging on that level. And is the benefit of this program outweighing the 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 negatives of giving you know said bank for example the the positive outcomes that they've received you know totally you know, particularly and, when that uh, when those positive outcomes are so abstract in or the the sort of negatives of that are so abstract when you compare it to like even say the enjoyment of going along to a midsummer event yeah exactly exactly um and 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 so I I totally agree with you that it is not an easy calculation to make and I think it and 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 that is why you see people saying yes far more often than they would say no and i totally understand that i also think however it is 
how we're going to end up in more situations like this where um, you see um, you know people the, the backlash to it when people when people see an organization they don't like um, and I think these sorts of um, and that's why I think that these sorts of instances are inevitable that it is the it is the inevitable outcome of the professionalization and corporatization of the of 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 queers um, in a broad sense, but of our, of our events in particular, um, and and I think this is this is the inevitable outcome. I think it's it's unfortunate. I don't know how to get out of it, um, hmm. and that's that's that's. Uh, I mean, I think we could potentially go into that, but we might be running out of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a kind of. Uh, I'm just sort of trying to imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't know, like what, um, I'm just thinking about like genuine kind of grassroots activism in, in queer communities and, and what I can think about now that is sort of like, is there, can we imagine a way to do a queer community without this stuff, you know, Mm. to, to kind of, can we think of examples of, of, um, I think the best example I can think of um, is last year I went to the Glasgow Pride event when I was in Scotland, um, and there was a side side event called Free Pride, which was very specifically anti-corporate in its approach, so didn't take any money from its corporate from corporate sponsors so they the free pride people marched in the pride march um as a block um and then had their own event following the pride march um when in you know what happens in uh in in the number of different um pride events i went to in the uk is that you have the pride march and then it goes to some like it's almost like a a festival you know kind of like a, a fair with rides and you know, um, uh, stalls and music and stages and all that kind of stuff. Sure, which outside. is, you know, Midsummer has that. Midsummer, well. yeah, okay. So I haven't been to Midsummer before. Um, so, um, so yeah, so like that. So instead of that, having that, they had their own event, which was smaller uh, uh, in sort of a community event with music and, um, and food that you could buy and stuff like that. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it is... Um, I don't know. The, you know the, it's a very different sort of event. It would mean having a very different sort of space and having a very different sort of community, and and one that I think lots of queers would not want to participate in. Um, now it was good for me, and I enjoyed it. Um, and I think I probably enjoyed it more than I would have if I'd went to the main event, um, because it it was it were it was more aligned to my values. Um, but that. That is the inherent part of it, I guess, that it is about there are different value sets uh, and one um, one enjoys the more professional style of event and that's sort of where a lot of these things have headed. Um, and it's it means changing how we vision, how we would um, vision these sorts of events to be able to do it in a different sort of way. Mm. And, and I, I mean, understand... I, I would also say that, like, it's it's not just about kind of what we like a kind of different aesthetic, I think that part of, you know, I think that those sorts of events like the Glasgow Free Pride can necessarily only exist on a small scale. Mm. I think this is kind of partly, and this goes to some degree about conversations we've we've had about like what is community and, and what can kind of community look like. I think there's an element of a lot of this that is about um, size, you know, that that as as we've gone from a community 
of thinking about community as something that is um, where people sort of know each other and it's about like interacting and having those sort of like shared bonds, which is kind of what I would argue a community is, to thinking about um, LGBTI people as, as a demographic, uh, you know, things kind of increase in scale and to just engage with society on that level in terms of things like permits and having a space and, you know, mm. equipment and OHS stuff. Like, you, you need to be a corporatized, stru- corporatized structure to be able to even engage on that level. So, uh, you know, growth is kind of not just uh, a concept at the, at the level of companies. It, it's something that sort of, like, filters through our conception of community. Yeah, and I think... And, and- Part of that is also it's it's a change of the the direction of such events. You know, if you think about a lot of the organising that was mass organising um, in the sixties and seventies, it really had that political outcome, that political aim. So it was much easier to deal with that sport corporate sponsorship because it was about mobilising people to come here and demand a particular thing. Mm. Um, whereas if you think about things like Midsummer and Mardi Gras and similar events, is now more about a, a celebration and having an event, uh, and that political message is often secondary. And is and so you're not mobilising people to come to demand something. You're mobilising people to come to an event to enjoy themselves, and that has its positives in the fact that you know there is a lot to celebrate and there is a lot of things that we want to enjoy and we want to have a good time. Sure, um, and you can. I mean, you, I think you can also kind of make the argument that there, there's a, that is a political act in a way. Mm, mm, but I think it's much less explicit than it, than it was. I think it is a political act to an extent, but I don't think... I think for lots of people, that is not the main outcome as much anymore. Yes. I mean? So that's not the main main reason they would go to it. Yeah, no, sure. The yeah. on, I mean, um, we, we should probably um, wrap up. The, on, the only other thing I wanted to mention was I just kind of had the thought that, uh, you know, that when you don't have corporate sponsorship, it means a lot of kind of, like, labour on the part of mm. the people organising it. But then I was like... But there are like heaps of people who are involved in Midsummer who work for free. I mean, it's a it's an organisation that's built on volunteers for a start, um, and you know the the main kind of carnival day is. I mean, it's also an arts festival, so a lot of the people are performing, you know, for very little money. But even on the like carnival day, which is the big sort of fair festival thing, um, there's like a bunch of community stalls um, yep. representing different organisations. Most of them are not being paid to be there, so I think. Uh, it's, you know, I just sort of imagined an argument in my head and then shot it down in that, <laughs> you know, that not having this corporate sponsorship would require people to work for free, but the model we have requires people to work for free anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, should we wrap up there? Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back with another episode in two weeks. Um, in the meantime, you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, and as we say every every episode, please leave us a review and rating, which will help other people find us. Uh, yes, and it's I should add here because I've had conversations with people about this who didn't quite understand. It's not just about like writing something so that people can kind of look at it and go, "Ah, oh, that's a review of a podcast I would like to read." I mean, that's part of it. It's also just having the reviews on iTunes bumps us up the rankings and makes it more likely that we'll be seen. So it's also about like playing with iTunes algorithm. So yeah. even if you have time to like jump in and just like click five stars and say very good exclamation mark, um, hopefully you would click five stars. Um, that even that is like super helpful to us. You don't need to yeah. spend a lot of time yeah. on it. Although it's lovely if you do, of course. Yeah. Uh, you can also in the meantime find us on Twitter. I am at Ben C Riley, and I'm at Simon Copland. And you can catch me on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. Uh, that's it for us. We will see you next time. Right. Looking forward to it.
spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.